Hello and welcome to the Run Gear Podcast, Episode 3, where we talk all things running from the latest running gear to the best in training tips from the experts. We are Bob Flavin and Paddy Common. This episode is brought to you by, well, nobody yet. Sponsorship opportunities are available. Email us at therungear at gmail.com. This week we'll be talking to longtime friend of the show, Emmett Dunleavy, about running smarter. How using heart rate and metrics will transform your training. So as mentioned this week, we're talking to Emmett Dunleavy. Now Emmett has been a good friend of uh, the Run Gear since day one, and has uh, guided myself and Bob through through our training. And he's always uh, he's always been a fund of information. So uh, Emmett, welcome to the show. Thank you, million guys. Good to be back. Um, yeah, th- it is good to be back. And and you know, obviously, we show one that we you, you got a name check because we we said right, we got to talk to Emmett. So thanks again for coming on. Really, uh, you know, first of all, tell us about your own running career. You know, this is um, this has been a lifelong career for you at this stage, has it? It has indeed. Yeah, I mean, I've been running myself for pretty much twenty five years at this stage, um, and we thirty six this year. So I started when I was about eleven or twelve. Uh, progressed up to the ranks, ran, you know, juvenile races, run at senior level. And I suppose in the last couple of years, I've kind of got into the coaching end of things. I originally just started coaching one or two athletes and then put, put perfectpacing.com together and the whole thing kind of took off from there. So just formalised it. And thankfully now I'm actually a full-time coach. So I actually, I run Perfect Pacing, uh, which takes up most of my time, but I also coach a couple of clubs. Uh, so Kilcool down in Wicklow I'm coaching UCD now as well so, uh, and with Bell Park Traffic Club so um, yeah it, it keeps me occupied and thankfully it's, uh, it's able to, to keep the bill paid oh, what, what was your own um, what was your own event what was your own favourite event when you, as a runner uh, 1500 metres is my favourite event I mean I've ran everything from 800 metres up to uh, 10 mile and cross country and that sort of stuff uh, I'm, I'm moving up to the longer distances later this year but in terms of my favourite event is 1500 metres on the track it's, uh, it's it's the perfect blend of, of speed and endurance, really. And it, uh, for most middle distance runners, it, it will be seen as the, the blue ribbon event. Tell us a little bit about perfectpacing.com then, about you know how it came about and, and where it is now. Yeah, so like I said, I suppose originally I started out just coaching one or two athletes. Um, and where I probably seen a gap was that from hanging around and I suppose training with some very good athletes um, and some world-class athletes in, in London where I lived in Teddington and over in Kenya uh, where I spent a bit of time as well. I've seen a bit of a disparity between the, the, the training principles of the world-class athletes and higher-level elite and club athletes. Uh, and I, while you can't apply an elite athlete training to a complete newbie, there are an awful lot of general principles that, that can be adhered to. Um, and I thought a lot of people were missing that. Uh, and I suppose from that point of view, when I did start coaching people, applying a lot of those principles, um, the results kind of spoke for themselves and the people started progressing pretty quickly off a lot of it. Uh, and the, the first of your clients, were they more professional or sort of, you know, very, very good amateurs rather than rank beginners? No, I mean, uh, the very first guy that I started coaching was a guy called Bobby Murphy who was working with me in uh, uh, in Bank of Ireland at the range at the time. And Bobby is still running. Uh, he only took up running at, at age 32. And uh, last year he would have run fifteen thirty for five k. So I mean he's gone from from zero up to fifteen thirty five k now. Um, I mean in terms of who else in coaching, I suppose at the top end a couple of guys who are pretty competitive at national and international level who are running low fourteen minutes for five k. And then the majority of people I coach against are club athletes running sort of three hour marathons, four hour marathons, just looking to improve. And I mean that's the beauty of running. 
is no matter what level you're at, there are always people better than you. And really all you're trying to do is improve yourself as an athlete and improve your own times. And once that's happening, that's where most of the enjoyment comes from in the sport. Bob and I were, were talking uh, on the first show about, you know, how you get started. How, what are the things to get going in terms of, you know, the basic gear, the basic equipment and, and, and getting out in the road? As a, as a coach, you know, how, what, what can you add to that conversation initially? Now, we'll talk a little, in a little while about training smart, but, but from, from someone who's at the other end of the scale to us, what are your top tips for people who are just starting off? Just starting off, I mean, really, you need very little. Uh, I mean, it's easy to get caught up with all the gadgets and everything else. But, I mean, if you've got, I mean, a pair of shorts, T-shirts, jackets, and most of all is a pair of comfortable running shoes. Now, I know people will go to all sorts of lengths in trying to pinpoint the exact running shoe, but if you've got a pair of comfortable shoes uh, or comfortable running trainers that aren't causing any problems, that's probably one of the best, I suppose, benchmarks in terms of what sort of shoe to wear is that it's comfortable. Once you've got all that, maybe get a basic stopwatch, you're pretty much good to go. I mean, after that, the hardest part is literally just getting out the door. And once you've got the willpower to get out the door and do that on a daily basis, that's the most important part of it. I mean, all the other gadgets like Garmin's GPS watches, compression gear, all those things can come in at a later stage. But to get going, it, I mean, in terms of starting costs, it's one of the, the cheapest sports that you can get into, which is one of the great advantages of it. One of the best pieces of advice I got, and it actually came from you, was slow down to go faster. So that, that was that was it. Just kind of slow yourself down because you're killing yourself to run too fast. So at what point do I need a coach? Where do you come into this? Well, I suppose going back to that point, first of all, is I would say 90% of the athletes that I work with, all I've done is slowed them down and they've started to get faster off that. Hmm. It's counterintuitive. Most people tend to run too fast is that they go out the door and try to run too fast all of the time. Uh, and, and running just easy at a conversational pace is where you will get a huge amount of benefit and it leaves you fresh to be able to go back and train again the next day. Uh, in terms of where a coach comes in, I mean, whether it's with your local club or where, with, whether it's with an individual coach like myself, I suppose, I mean, there's no point where you need to get a coach in terms of if I've run X time for 5K, I need to get a coach now. I would say to a lot of people, if if you're with a club or if you run individually and you feel like you've hit a bit of a plateau, have a look around and see, are you, what are you doing? Is there something in training that you could change and maybe that you need to work with somebody either within your running club or on an individual basis that could actually change what you're doing? Um, and I suppose, particularly if you've hit a plateau, uh, you, need to, you need to change things up because by going back out and doing the same thing week in, week out and expecting different results... I suppose that's the, the stereotypical definition of madness is doing the same thing all every day and expecting different results. That's that's exactly what I was going through recently, which was I was just going out and running 6.30 per kilometre for unlimited amount of kilometres, but I wasn't going any faster. I was just yeah. keeping it going. So now I've gone I've gone the other way. Now, a little injury at the moment, I hurt my back, but I've gone the other way now. I slowed it down. I did what you, did, what you said to me before, which is to have like four runs per week Mm-hmm. at conversational pace and then have one or two runs that are much faster much faster you know yeah. something you couldn't keep breathing at and it, will that continue to work for me or is that going to be something I'm going to have to modify again later on I mean for people who are training five times a week that just layout that you gave there where you're doing four days which are, are conversational pace from one day that's hard I mean that's the, the exact blend in terms of how you progress that, I suppose you're adding a little bit in terms of the, the length of your runs on those four easy days. That's a form of progression in itself. 
And I suppose at the other end on the day where you're doing the, the faster stuff is that you either want to get a little bit faster while you're doing those intervals, let's say the one minute or two minute repeat. You can progress those by making them faster, by doing a few more of them, or by shortening the recoveries in between them. So, I mean, there are different ways of progressing it. But you need to be progressing your training in some small shape or form all of the time. Uh, otherwise, you're just doing the same thing, like I said, and you're expecting different results off it. And that is, you know, I mean, it, it works for every sort of training works for a period of time, but unless you're actually progressing it, um, you're not going to get continued improvement. Emmett, w- one area which I found since the start of the year has worked incredibly well for me, and it's it's it might be a little further down the road for some people, but it's it's heart rate training. I mean, as much as you can in, in, I suppose, a limited amount of time, how can you explain the, the benefits of that to the, the average amateur? Yeah, well, I suppose heart rate gives you a gauge of effort or a gauge of intensity. So it's, it, it allows you to benchmark your progress. And I suppose an easy way to explain it is, is if you're going out to run at six minutes a kilometre, so you're somebody who's, who's starting off, you're running six minutes a kilometre, and let's say your heart rate is at 150 beats per minute. And you're doing this for 35 to 40 minutes. What, and I think this is something that you've experienced. What you're looking for in that, in terms of improvement, is to be doing the same run at a lower heart rate, or alternatively, at the same heart rate, but at a faster pace. And that's, I suppose, a way of tracking your progress over, over time. Um, yeah, that, that, was the, the, that was what I've noticed this year so far. Uh, the slight difference I had was that I picked, uh, I picked a route and I run it I run it over and over again. So mm-hmm. so that six kilometer route that I've picked, I had the first run I did after Christmas and I was in pretty bad shape. I, I ran it at 146 beats per minute and did tried not to, to to pass that and then just did it over and over and over again and then on Saturdays blew it out as much as I could. So but I was able to notice that after a mere 10 or 12 runs, I was you know, I was running I was running uh on my slow days as fast as I was on my early fast days so the, yeah. there was minutes coming off um, within a very short space of time and, and uh, you know a secondary question to that for people who are maybe a little bit overweight are there fat burning benefits to running at a certain heart rate there are but it's probably not as, as uh, beneficial as it's probably made out to be I mean by running in what we would call the aerobic zone so conversational pace hmm. um, I mean that when you run at that sort of lower level of intensity, you're using fat as an energy source. When you go to the higher levels of intensity, you're using your carbohydrate or your glycogen as an energy source. Mm. So I suppose from a fat burning point of view, you're burning more fat at the lower levels of intensity. But in terms of, let's say, from a weight loss point of view, the amount of, of, of fat that you're actually metabolizing, I mean, we're talking grams, it's pretty minimal. Um, most of the benefit in terms of uh, most bang for your buck in terms of trying to, to lose weight comes from tidying up your diet really I mean yeah it's uh, the, in the, the kitchen junk, yeah, yeah. obviously I mean one less cake a week for, sorry what you're looking for with, with in terms of um, weight loss is calories in calories out yeah, that's basic that's thermodynamics it is indeed and, and I suppose what you get from any form of running is that your calories out are being increased uh, and then on the flip side of that, if you can tidy up your diet, reduce the calories in, that's where the real fat loss uh, uh, benefits come from. But in terms of running itself, I mean, you do get some, you, you are burning fat, but it's not a huge amount. Most of it comes from where your calorie balance is. But going back to those um, those metrics in terms of heart rate, etc., and running at the lower uh, intensity, 
obviously you're going to you're, you're you know decreasing your chances of getting injured getting hurt mm-hmm. because you know you're not running at that massive intensity but you're still increasing your fitness is this a mistake that a lot of novice runners do is that they they hurt themselves because they feel like they always have to be flat out yeah very much so. and i think it's not just novice runners but i mean pretty good club level athletes have come across have uh, the, the i suppose it's a, it's a mentality when it comes to sport is that we're ingrained to think the more you put in, the more you get out. So if I go out and I hammer the roads every single day, that's ultimately what's going to make me go faster. But with running, it's slightly different. You've got to give the body a little bit of a stimulus and then back off for a couple of days. So that's what you do your hard day and then you do a couple of easy conversational pace recovery days, let the body recover and then go again at your hard days. Uh, and what you're looking for, I suppose, is variation of intensity in that your hard days are very hard, but your easy days are very easy. I mean, certainly a question that has come up uh, on our side a lot is increasing mileage, increasing intensity. If For, for someone who started off in January and now is probably comfortably doing a 5K, uh, maybe aiming towards a 10K, is there a sort of a benchmark increase in mileage per week or per month that, that they should look at? And I've, I know it obviously it's, it depends on their own abilities. Yeah, I mean, there's no magic number as such. I mean... What I would say, to mo- to any, regardless of whether you're a new athlete or, or an advanced athlete, is what you're looking for is minimum effective dose. So what's the smallest amount of training I can do and still improve? And when you do that given doses of training, let's say it's 20 miles per week or 30 miles per week, you've improved for a period of time and then you begin to plateau. At that stage, you're looking to increase the volume or increase the intensity. Generally, increasing the volume for distance runners is the best, best way to, to get a... I suppose, a risk-free benefit to increasing your training. So at that stage, you're looking to increase it. How much does it go up by? I mean, the usual rule of thumb is 10%. Um, I mean, there's a lot of evidence to suggest, I suppose, that 10% is... It's a good benchmark, uh, but what you're looking at is sort of the average over the last maybe three to four weeks. So rather than going increase in 10% on last week's training, what you want to do is try to increase 10% over the average of the last four weeks, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It it makes perfect sense. It in in terms of surfaces, it's another one. Something I find if you know, I'm probably running four four days a week at the moment. Running on concrete every day is starting to hurt a little bit, though. Mm-hmm. Is that something that uh, people should look at? That they should need should try and mix up the surfaces and what surfaces should they be? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the the, the scientific papers would suggest that the surface doesn't make a huge difference. Uh, I'm personally, I'm of the opinion a little bit of running on grass is, is no harm because it's certainly easier on, on on the joints and on the muscles, particularly when you're starting off. I mean, the downside of running on grass, particularly at this time of the year, is that it tends to be wet and your ground contact time is increased. And I suppose your your running mechanics are changed a little bit and they're a little bit sloppier. Um, but for most people, if you can get onto the grass or onto trails or just off the concrete and off the path, at least once or twice a week. Um, it's certainly beneficial and kit and equipment like we're looking at shoes the kind of shoes we're trying to uh, like we've done some tests on some basic shoes we have here as well and we've had some more advanced stuff but mm-hmm. for someone starting off doesn't want to be paying two, three hundred, four hundred quid for a pair of shoes where do they start with that I mean there's got to be a, a kind of baseline stuff that they need for tarmac or maybe a trail shoe as well yeah I mean for most people it's a case of get a pair of shoes that's comfortable so I would say go to any of your local running shops go in, try a couple of pairs on, I mean, you'll get a little bit of advice from the person in the shop, but I mean, it's really not a huge amount, not a, not a requirement to spend a huge amount of money on your first pair of shoes. 
if they're comfortable, that's the best gauge in terms of whether they're suitable for you or not. And I know in your case, we'd have a, a situation where people at this time of the year now have got to a point, we're in February now, so if they are doing their New Year's resolutions, they're they're starting to give up now in their droves, right? Yeah. And I've even seen this on the road, you go for a run now, and you meet a lot less people than you did two it's weeks quieter, ago. Yeah. yeah, it's starting to quieten down yeah. again. All these guys are giving up, so lots of kit and equipment is now going into the bottom of a wardrobe somewhere. Is there anything we can do to motivate these people to get them back out again and get them running? The one thing I'd say, if, if you're somebody who just started and your enthusiasm for it is beginning to wane a little bit, get a group, get a club, or get somebody to train with. It's so much easier if you've got somebody to meet in the morning or in the evening to go for a run, whenever it might be. Um, and the group element, it adds a little bit of a, I suppose, on your hard, day, hard days, it adds a little bit of a competitive element to it. But on the easy days, it's just somebody to meet and get out the door. Um, and, and it makes it much easier than being left to your own devices. Because the, the, the temptation to sit on the couch in the evening is, is so, pretty tempting, especially at this time of the year. So, Emmett, if people want to get in touch with you for training, how do they do that? Yeah, so through uh, perfectpacing.com is the website address. Uh, I do most of my stuff through Facebook, uh, so you can contact me through there or through email. It's uh, perfectpacinginfo at gmail.com. Emmett, thank you very much for your time and uh, for your uh, always excellent insights and hopefully we'll talk to you again in a few weeks. Thanks, Emmett. Thanks a million, guys. So that was, that was Emmett. Emmett, uh, he's always a fund of information, isn't he? It is, I, learn, I learn something new every time. Every single time I'm sitting here listening, he might be saying the same thing he said last time, but it goes out of my mind when I start training. I start getting into mileage. Then he comes on and I go, why didn't I think of doing that? What's, that's like the most obvious thing is just to slow down, to go faster, you know, get off the road once in a while as well. It's something I, I really got to start doing. I run too much in his, And his training programs are brilliant. So, mm. uh, I mean, anyone thinking of getting in touch with him, they really, really should. He does, he does super programs for whatever event you want, especially marathons, half marathons, etc. And his insight into heart rate stuff is really, really good. So, mm. well, well worth getting in touch. I, I mean... For me, the last few weeks, how how how's the training been going? I know I know for you, you've hurt yourself a bit. I have I hurt me back. Yeah, it's an injury that comes back every once in a while. It's like a slip disc thing. It's very hard to run on. I tried to run on Sunday, and I couldn't go. So I have to wait for that to fix out. I have to click it out or whatever. It'll come right eventually. But um, I'm feeling really stable. I've started working more on on muscular structure. I was using runs as an incredible, you know, just go out row running every single time. Now there's a little bit of uh, doing some squats at home, doing some. Mm. sit-ups and chin-ups and and plank and things to try and get core muscle working as well which gives me a very stable feel when I start running still get tired but you know I still go down as the miles go on you still start to crunch up a bit but I feel a bit more stable The weather has been disgusting though It has yeah it's been absolutely awful You know I don't mind the the first few weeks of January I don't mind the freezing cold Mm. and uh, but when it's wind and rain it's just really disheartening I'm not so bad when I'm if I'm already out and the wind and rain comes there's nothing you can do about it then (laughs) but it's looking out the wind and going oh no I'm not going to run in that (laughs) that's the hard part (laughs) Yeah well look I mean for, for, for training tips Emmett is, is certainly the guy but I, I think for I think going forward he was probably going to be a very good source of information for you yeah. uh, where's your head at in terms of whether you're going to go for this marathon I want to do it I actually want to, to see I, I more want to see can I do it mm. more than actually just want to do the Dublin marathon or want to do a particular kind of marathon I'd nearly just go out and run, and run the 26 miles somewhere just to see could I do yeah. it first but that's the thing to avoid I believe right so you don't like when I did the first half marathon I didn't run a half marathon beforehand the furthest I went was like 17 kilometres and then stopped Mm. after that so 
I don't want to do it this time either. But do you think it's a long way away, October? It feels a long way away. You know, I, I was it feels too starting long to look and uh, uh, Cork is in June. Yeah, you see, that, that feels better. Because it's spring now. Summer feels like a better one. October feels like winter, which feels like a very long way off because it's still winter now. Now, that would be starting probably in the next week or so, training, Mm. and not missing a beat until June. But then after that, you can kind of put your feet up for a little while. That's good. You can take the next couple of weeks off. That's my rationale. Yeah. So I, 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 you know... I hate I hate doing it because I um, get myself in trouble. But I think I'm going to say I want to do Cork. You're going to do it. Do you want to commit? Oh, here we go again. Yes, I we're think going down this route. I know. Yeah, I want to do it this year. This is where we both say, "Yeah, we're going to do something," and then it's like, "Oh my god, it gets so close so fast." But I like, need a target. Yeah, you got. Yeah, I know targets are brilliant, but like June is near. June that's, is near. That's you decide to do a marathon. Now it's February, and you're going to do it in June. That's like you got yeah. to train daily for that. Yeah, well, I figured I have looked at um, have looked at some training programs, and I do have enough time now. But it has to start in the next couple of weeks. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think I want to do I want to do Cork in June. It's it's a June bank holiday weekend. I think the course is pretty nice, and uh, I heard it was lovely. Yeah, Cork's supposed to be really good. And even if it was horrible, even if like I took me a million hours, if I just got around it, mm. and then see where we are then for later in the year that's kind of where I am as well I don't really care how long it takes to get around like if I did my normal pace 6.30 it'd be a 4 hour 20 minute or something I'd yeah do. how I'm, bad that's fine that sounds okay yeah. to me <laughs> getting finished sounds okay to me 5 hours sounds okay uh, it's not really the race it's more the endurance what I'd be after is mm. that kind of feeling because I, I I prefer long slow runs than short fast runs I don't the short fast run is the one that I hate going out to do and I don't mind doing a 10k I wouldn't mind going out if I was if I wasn't injured going out now and doing a 10k I'd be fine with that but if someone said I want to run 100 metres I'd go no I don't want to do, do that Do you know what it was I, I was watching on Netflix last night a documentary uh, called Finding Traction and it's about uh, an ultra marathon runner who's trying to beat a, a long standing record uh, 239 miles I hold some sort of hatred way deep inside me for ultra marathon runners I don't know how to do it But this, you want to see the state of her feet <laughs> <laughs> like they were there's a mess a bloody mess a bloody mess <laughs> bloody and stumps. she just chopped bits off them at the uh, at the end oh. of every evening <sighs> but it yeah it got into my head so um well, yeah, I think I think we have to set ourselves in targets. Uh, look, I, I'd like to do I'd like to do Cork in June, and and, and if it, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But you still that, have Dublin Marathon in October. If it doesn't work out, though, fair. It you just know, seems so far it. away. It's, yeah. like it's the you know it's it's the start of the year now, and that seems like a billion miles away. But if you look at the running calendar, there's a gap. There's a bit happens before the Dublin Marathon where there's relatively no runs, no organised things on the weekends. Yeah, because everyone seems to start with the race series and uh, you know which runs during the summer and then as I said uh, on episode 1 then there was you know I got to the half marathon and then I was I wasn't feeling great and then it just seemed like the marathon was way too close. Mm. It it seems it's uh there is that massive lag between now and and even Easter and summer. Yeah. So it's a it'll, plus. I just think it's a nicer time of year to train is now. It is now, yeah. Because there's a temperature like I went out on Sunday morning for a bit of a run, and it was blue sky. It was very frosty. It had to be minus two. I could wear a jacket, but I'm one kilometer in. I'm bursting full of sweat. <laughs> I'm in bits again. But I'd rather be trying to do longer runs around spring than. Yeah. 
in August, September, mm. when you're when it can be really, really hot. Especially when because we're at a, a funny point because we've been running long enough now that it's not an unachievable target to say we could do a marathon or you know a couple no. of half marathons. So it's, that's not too far off. Um, and so we have a problem now in that to tr- we have to train for something now. Yeah, because we've done ten, and you know half marathon isn't that hard anymore. Well, this is know. it. Uh, first, uh, uh, the first few weeks of January, I was getting out and doing you know three, four, five runs a week, and the progress was going. But then it started going into my head: what, what am I doing this for? Mm. And I need a target. And even if I don't reach it, I still need to be aiming towards something. So, yeah. So, um, so yeah. I think I think we'll. I, I want to uh, aim for Corks, Cork City, and see how we go. Let's we'll see. Look, a few weeks time, I was saying, "Oh yeah, it didn't really work out." <laughs> I can't but, uh, it. but I'm going. I'm going to try it. I'm gonna try Those it shoes don't fit properly. I can't do it. No, look. I just need to eat a little bit better. As Emmett said, you can't. Uh, you know that has to. That has to uh, be looked at. That's something um, I was reading about the other night about it, the the simple fact of calorie burn. What we were talking mm. about a couple of seconds ago. If you run and burn a thousand calories, and you come home and you eat fifteen hundred calories, you're going to gain weight. It doesn't matter what you do now. Yeah, you're going to gain weight. Thermodynamics. Yep. Well, we're going to be joined in in a couple of weeks by Sophie Morris, who's a really really good sports nutritionist. Mm-hmm. And I know there's been a few questions on on our Facebook yeah, page. Yeah, we've had loads about um, nutrition. So she's definitely going to clear up some questions for us. So if anyone does have any questions for Sophie, please send them in to us in advance so we can we can put them to her. But yeah, there's a lot around at the moment about whether you should use healthy fats or you know all these coconut oil and MCT oil and yeah. and whether your carb rate, you should be running fasted in the morning. And what is a calorie and how yeah, often exactly. you burn it. I mean, like a, a McDonald's burger has a certain amount of calories in it and a, a a peanut butter milkshake has a certain amount of calories, <laughs> but they're two very different kinds of calories. How you burn them and all. So, or, or I had heard, maybe it's not true, true or not, that the um, Eddie Rockets Oreo milkshake is pretty much the most calories you can consume in one item. No way. Yeah, it's something like two thousand. <laughs> Oh my God! We'd have to order one. Yeah, we can <laughs> test it out just to check. Exactly. Yeah, we'd have to test that and see how far we can run on two thousand calories without falling over. Well, look, I think we've taken enough of these people's. Uh, I'm sure the run time. must be finished this day. Yeah, You've got to exactly. have at least a half a run in. Exactly. Um, that's episode three. Um, yeah. Episode four, we speak to Mary Catherine Murphy, who has had an extraordinary transformation from, mm. in her own words, being really vastly overweight. Um, to, Before and after pictures are scary. Oh, amazing! Yep. Amazing, and she um, is now a marathon runner mm. and a very and a big inspiration to people too. So um, we look forward to speaking to her. Which means we have to become marathon runners. Well, if she yes, can do it, it's always the same. Yes, exactly. We'll, we'll be help, we're looking for some advice and tips from her it, as ever if you want to get in touch with us Bob how do they do that best way is through our Facebook page because we are both attached to it and we're always answering questions there so if you look up The Run Gear on Facebook and we are at The Run Gear for basically everything else at, we? at The Run Gear on Twitter at The Run Gear on Instagram which is incredibly busy at the moment bloody hell yeah. yeah I got some really strange DMs the other day from our Run Gear page yes yes Instagram <laughs> is full of robots <laughs> Oh, and I thought it was a young people who like your like, people who like your posts and saying awesome posts, and you just you know you put us from really bad news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, and if you want to email us, it is therungear at gmail dot com. So um, so a million 
ways to get in touch and do because at the end of the day this is for you guys uh, we will ask the questions to the experts we will ask the questions to the nutritionists the, the likes of Emmett and Levy who will be back on to us he's, uh, he's very generous with his time um, but uh, yeah let us know and we will talk to you Bob, Bob next week next week we're back again episode 4 for more and remember do subscribe on iTunes because and do leave us some comments as well even if they're shitty because yeah well at least we like you anyway at least we'll learn at least you know you're listening then yeah exactly (laughs) bye for now